All right. Welcome to the first ever episode of Bison Catholic's Iron Sharpens Iron. This is a podcast that will go into the conversations that will help you sharpen your faith. St. Paul's Newman Center in Fargo believes that who you surround yourself with matters. And at the heart of this belief is Proverbs 27.7. Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Today, we will be introducing some of our hosts, so myself, Matt O'Reilly, and the campus minister here at St. Paul's Newman Center, Nathan Carr. Um, so we'll be kind of going into those introductions and talking a little bit about what this podcast is and what it will represent. So yeah, Nate, if you want to yeah. introduce yourself a little bit. Absolutely. So excited to actually begin this. Uh, it's kind of like a new era that we're entering into with the Newman Center, um, getting into our new facility, uh, one of those parts being uh, this media studio, which is going to allow us to record uh, all sorts of multimedia uh, resources to use on our campus and campuses uh, around the country. Uh, but uh, it's, it's kind of the first, uh, first episode, so I'm excited for it. Yeah, um, yeah my name is Nathan Carr. Uh, I am uh, the Director of Campus Ministry here at St. Paul's Newman Center. Um, this will be my second year in that role, um, so we're just going into our new, new school year. As, as we record this, we, uh, we just came off of a 4th of July weekend, so kind of in the heart of the summer, uh, pretty quiet around here. Our students have gone back to their homes, uh, back to their families for the summer, um, resting, traveling. Uh, it's been kind of cool seeing some of their pictures and, and things on social media of their uh, exploits over the summer. Uh, we have a lot of people hiking in various mountain ranges and things, so it's been a lot of fun to see that. They're definitely living life and living it to the full. Um, but a little bit about my background. Uh, so I was an alumni from this Newman Center. I graduated in 2007. Uh, after that, I went and uh, was a focus missionary for a couple years. That took me down to Illinois, where I met my wife. And we settled in Illinois for about the next 11 years in her hometown of Peoria. And I uh, worked in Catholic healthcare uh, for those 11 years uh, in anatomic pathology, doing genetic diagnosis. And uh, during that time, went back to school, got a master's degree in uh, theology with the hopes of becoming a healthcare ethicist. But uh, a lot of times in the Lord, there is always that, um, you know, uh, change of plans, so to speak. We do things yes. for our purposes and what we think we have in mind, and then he has uh, other things in mind. So uh, a very long story short, we moved up here um, about two years ago, and I was not looking to get back into campus ministry, but the opportunity arose, and uh, here I am, and I'm having a blast with it. It's so much fun to, to be back, be back with college students, and doing the most meaningful, noble work, which is to preach the gospel and help bring people to conversion to Jesus Christ. So really excited to be here and, and to start this endeavor. But now what about you, Matt? Uh, what about uh, yeah, a little back, yeah. your background? Um, my background is so I just graduated two years ago, December of 2020. Um, I came into college, actually, funny enough, wanting to be a dentist. So I kind of know about that, a little yeah. bit about, you know, following the Lord's plan and yeah. it not really, Absolutely. really taking you where you think you're going to go. So I came in wanting to be a dentist. I took a couple years of biology, shadowed some dentists, and then uh, I found out that I, I didn't really want to do that. After Was it people's mouths? <laughs> you know, the reality that you're going to be staring right into their teeth that all is the time. What everybody asked me was it the mouths? <laughs> but yeah, no, it was a a little bit, and then a little bit of just you know, I I, I shadowed them, and I realized this isn't something yeah. I want to go to school for years and years and right. years for. So um, I came back, or I ended up switching my major to marketing and communications. Yeah, um, and that's kind of what I stuck with through through the time. And then 
I interned here at St. Paul's Newman Center as the director of communications part-time. And then we realized that it was kind of going to need to be a fuller role just because the way this the secular world is working now, we see so much great content in, this, yeah. in the secular sphere of things. Um, we kind of want to be part of that great content, but in a Christian right. um, viewpoint. So that's kind of where my role got brought up here at um, the Newman Center. And when I graduated, we just stuck with it. I came on full time been working on this podcast. So great that we can start this. Absolutely. And yeah, so that's kind of kind of where I came from and why we're here. So yeah, I think you bring up a good point about good content too. Um, you know, we, we can have uh, be teaching the truth, right? Everything we say is true. But if we don't deliver it well, um, it's going to fall on deaf ears, you know, so I just think it's it's more important now than ever. I mean, it might seem superficial that it has to like be all shiny with all the bells and whistles, but that's just what people respond to. And the marketplace is just flooded and saturated with really great production. So I think as we build this out, that's our hope is that we can meet that sort of excellence level, but still be able to deliver the truth to our target audience, which is, is college students, university students who are kind of in that crossroads of life. Um, you know, there, there's other Catholic uh, media outlets that have done this well. I think the one everybody realizes or knows is Word on Fire, right? Uh, Bishop yep. Robert Barron's, um, you know, organization that he started, uh, what, 10, 15 or so years ago. Yeah, um, and they, I, I actually got a chance to be on the set when they were filming. I think it was their Priest, Prophet, and King um, study series. So this was maybe seven, eight, nine years ago. And, um, and it was really fascinating to watch them actually record the production of that because it was like a movie studio. I mean, oh, they yeah. had cameramen everywhere. There was a producer and a director. I mean, it was, you see the finished product, right? That's what we all see on YouTube or that we buy, but an immense amount of work goes into that high level production. But the fruits bear, you know, are, are born in it where uh, bears out because you know, people actually listen to what he's saying. And I think that's the end goal. Like the medium is the message that if, if we can't package it right, people aren't even going to listen to it. Yeah, because, the, yeah, the, like I was saying, the secular world just packages everything right. And the Christian world has kind of fallen behind in that, yeah. I think. But we see in today's world now that they're really catching up in, in what they're doing. And that's kind of um, the hope with this is just to do it great and give that great message. Absolutely. Um, yeah. yeah, through through great, great content. Um, but yeah, we're going to be working here at, on Iron Sharpens Iron to bring on as many um, great speakers as we can. Um, we have our own staff here, Father Cheney and Monsignor Schleschman. They're a great priest, and uh, they have tons of words of wisdom that they can offer us. And we're hoping to to get them on on the next few episodes here to kind of introduce themselves and, and give us those words of wisdom. And yeah, see, see where we carry on yeah. from there. And I think there's a lot of plans, too, to get our students in front of the mic and the camera, uh, have them tell their stories, um, see what the Lord's doing in their life. And some of them have some really fascinating backgrounds, and I think it's just a great testament to how the Holy Spirit works in all people's lives, and sometimes in a unique way. While we might have common elements to our story, everyone's story is pretty unique. So I know that's, that's an element that we want to get in front of people because, you know, you and I, Matt, we can... We can like say all of the true things. We can read out of scripture, teach out of the catechism, but it has to be incarnated. It has to be lived out. And I think our students are are the sort of the manifest testimony of oh, yeah. the Lord living in us and working through us. And, uh, and they're the ones. They're the next generation. They're going to go out into the world and help convert and sanctify it. 
So uh, to give them a platform and a way to tell their story and, and sort of witness to the Lord, I think, is going to be a great opportunity for us. Oh, yeah, just definitely a ton of great stories here at the Newman Center that, that I've witnessed myself of just students changing from, from someone who's kind of come to live like that college party lifestyle that we all have. Yep. And then changing to be this, this great Catholic who's coming to daily mass almost every day. Yeah. And just really changing and, and finding their, their passion and love for the Lord. And I think yeah. that's awesome. Yeah. And that was my story, too. And, and I think one of the cool things about campus ministry is we get to see that happen in a very short time frame. At the beginning of the year, sometimes they, they'll come in, you know, maybe a freshman, maybe a sophomore, maybe later. You know, they're, uh, I was sort of the late bloomer, so to speak, where I think it was my junior year before I darkened the door of the Newman Center in a real way and returned to the sacraments. But it moves quick in their life because they're open to that change. And I think because they don't have the firm life commitments, right? They're not, uh, you know, three, four kids deep in family life. Um, they don't have a particular career that's taking 40, 50 hours a week there's sort of a flexibility and openness and an expectation that when they come to college, they're going to be transformed and changed. And that's true on a religious level, but it's true on a intellectual or secular level as well. They want to be changed. It's why they go to college and they hope to come out prepared. And so I think just that innate openness that they have uh, works to our advantage and to the Lord's advantage, because when they encounter the Holy Spirit, when they encounter the sacraments, it moves so much quicker in their life. And um, I wish the whole church could see it. And that's so hopefully something we can present to the church uh, in other parts, maybe in, in rural parishes or parishes around the country that maybe don't see that on a, on a regular basis. And maybe their perception is the church is fading away. But I think the hope is, and we see that hope, we get to be on the front row seat of it. It's, it's sort of really starting to ignite into a really hot burning fire. If it's not visible everywhere yet, just know that it's there and that there's a lot of souls coming to the faith uh, and in a pretty profound, intense way that in the next generation, we're going to see new ministries just flood out into the world to uh, meet all the challenges that the world offers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess on a continuing on with uh, a little bit of iron sharpens iron in, in just your life, I guess. Um, I, I kind of want to talk about that yeah. and see how it inspires you. And, and we talked about that a little bit in just the campus ministry side yeah. of things. But in, in like your regular life, especially you, since you, you're graduated, you're moved on, yep. um, you, you're married. Um, how do you see Iron Sharpens Iron? Yeah, I think it, it just hell, it speaks to the fact that we can't do it on our own, right? That we need other people. Um, you know, I'm blessed to be married to my wife, Ryan. We just celebrated our 13th wedding anniversary, and, um, and she's my best friend, right? So she, she's able to be there. We've gone through everything together. Um, and the influence of another person helps you become better because we all have those flaws, those sort of dull edges, um, those things that we need to refine about our character. Mm -hmm. um, and other holy people, people pursuing holiness, help to refine that in a real way. So I think iron sharpens iron first means just that, that as we interact and relate with one another, whether it's, you know, in my case, a spouse or a sibling or a family member or a really close friend, um, we kind of grind up against each other and there's a certain friction and tension that can happen. But over the course of that and remaining always in the Lord, 
I think those edges begin to smooth out and to sharpen, that we actually call each other a little bit higher uh, in, our, in our personal vocations and what God's calling us to. Um, it helps us reach excellence on a higher level rather than just like falling back into this indifference that the world so often does where, you know, it's all about you and the individual and, you know, personal actualization or whatever have you, defining your own reality. It's not like that. No, we need one another and we're meant for one another. We're meant for relationship. So I think first it means that. What about you? What does it mean for you? Yeah, um, I really like what you touched on with the... Uh so before I get in, into myself, I guess yeah. I kind of want to touch on this, uh, where you said that it has like the friction and you have the, yeah. these pushbacks and everything. Um, I think it's cool because then you, people who visualize iron sharpens iron, mm-hmm. if they're like myself, they visualize a sword being sharpened against anvil yeah. and they're banging the sword and it is, it's kind of an intense process on it how is. they're doing that. And it's kind of the same with people and just men and men. It's, yeah. you know, you're intensely sharpening that sword within you, your, yeah. your soul. Um, and that's kind of just an intense process that I visualize when I'm visualizing iron sharpens iron. Yeah. And I thought it was just kind of a cool thing you touched on there. Well, and, and when, when we sort of um, scale back and even think about using that analogy of like a sword or a tool or wh- whatever have you, I just think about it or imagine it in its most raw form. Like we have to get the iron from somewhere. It has to be mined out of the earth, iron ore, and it's impure. It's you know, mixed with rocks and other elements and has to be crushed and melted down and then, and then refined. You know, uh, uh, Scripture speaks in a lot of different places about that refining process with gold or silver, right? It needs to be seven times refined to get all the dross and the impurities out of it. Mm-hmm. Same thing with this iron, right? It has to be refined. And then what you get is like one of those like iron ingots or blocks. And that's what the blacksmith uses to actually shape uh, using heat, and intense force and pressure as he pounds it out, the general shape of what he's making. So if we use the sword analogy, he has to make you know the, the blade of it, and then he has to make a hilt, and it has to be well-balanced, but it's still not finished, right? Even after all that, that intense heat and shaping process, then it has to be sharpened, right? And that takes a whole different subset of tools and skills, right? It needs like a, uh, a millstone or grinding stone to sort of really refine that sharp edge if it's going to serve its purpose, you know, in the case of a sword as, as an instrument of war or a weapon, you know, to, uh, to help in uh, whatever conquest that the, the holder is going after. But I think that's true with, with any tour. You could, the analogy works if you broaden it out to just about anything. Yeah, exactly. It has to be refined. It has to, and that's a whole process with many different parts to it. And I, I think that's what happens with each of us as we come to be formed and and transformed in the Lord, that we help each other at different stages. Maybe the person who is at the beginning part of their walk with the Lord needs something very different than the person who's years into the walk with the Lord. And I think as a body of Christ, as a body of believers, we can offer that to one another, um, and sort of that whole arc of that personal transformation um, you know, if we just sort of offer ourselves to their process and them to us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, when there's like a, a person who's who's coming up to you and he, he says to you, um, I think you're living a, a disordered life here. I think you're you're really you're you're missing mass, you're you're doing all these things. It's it's tough to hear, I think. Yeah. Um but yeah, that's that refining process of just sharpening Yeah you so yeah and and you always have to remember this sharpening process if we do it in fraternal charity it has the good of the other person in mind 
right? So in that example you used, if you walk up to somebody and say, hey, you know what? Uh, I haven't seen you at mass. You've been missing mass. Um, calling that person out on that uh, is actually an act of charity because you want their good and not only their temporal good where, you know, the fruits of the spiritual life, you read like the fruits of the Holy Spirit, you know, you get joy, peace, so on and so forth. But their eternal salvation, that's the good that we should be after primarily and principally uh, more than anything else is we don't want to see you end up in hell for all eternity. Therefore, you shouldn't skip mass. You should come back. You should repent, that kind of a thing. And I think when you approach it like that, it changes the whole ballgame because, yeah, you have to say some hard things sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, nobody is comfortable. I don't like saying it, and I don't like hearing it when it's said to me. But I'm always grateful after the fact when somebody calls me out on something and I have to amend my life, and I do, and all of a sudden there I am back on the track again. And I'm living a better life now, but I also know that I'm pointed back towards that heavenly home that, that we're all journeying towards. Yeah, exactly. When I first came to uh, college, I had that, that changed mindset. Um, I want to I be different. I was a cradle Catholic, yeah. so um, I kind of came up you know, going to Mass every Sunday. Um, when I first got here, though, I, I missed my first weekend of Mass, I remember. And I had that yeah. kind of same, nobody really came up to me and said it because no one knew that I missed, missed Mass. Um, and then my dad talked to me the other week and we were talking about uh, just how important it is to go to Mass. And I kind of felt a sting in my heart. Yeah. Just that, you know, I did this bad thing and I, sh I know I should have gone to Mass, but I didn't because I wanted to change and be different. And then I went to the Newman Center because my brother brought me there. And you see all these good Catholics um, and they come up and talk to you and they're sharing how much they love going to mass and you see they're, they're your age. So yep. they were, they were my age at the time and it's, you see them and it's like, wow, these good young Catholics, they're, they're also doing this good thing and they yeah. want me to share in this good thing. And yeah, that was just really powerful for me. And it was really tough for me to realize that, you know, it was wrong to, to do this right. one thing and then, and then move on. But yeah, and it makes me think of sort of that first week of the college life and the college of ex experience. And they've done research on this. Uh, off the top of my head, I can't remember all the, you know, the, the stats or whatever. But basically, it's the first two weeks uh, of a particular semester, which will determine a student's rest of the year commitments. So the friends they make in the first two weeks, the communities they join in the first two weeks, the, the activities or commitments that they commit to. Uh, after those first two weeks, they're pretty well set in stage and they're much less responsive to joining any group, new group. They kind of get that pattern, habitual uh, routine developed, and those are the people that they're going to be around. And so I think in those first couple weeks, it, it's more important than ever for us uh, working out of a Newman Center to reach as many people as we can, which is why we have a, a, a a pretty uh, hefty offering of, of events and things to outreach to the campus. Um, because like in your story, we don't want somebody to drift away from mass just because they have a misconception about what our community is, what Bison Catholic and the Newman Center is, um, and sort of have a m false notion that it's somehow just like a bunch of crusty grandmas, you know, like <laughs> playing like cards and, uh, knitting? I don't know. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's not. It's, it's very filled with life and the best form of life. Um, and you'll find they bring their personalities to the table. So it's, you know, the funny people are really funny. 
the, you know, really pleasant people that are just like the nicest, most hospitable people you've ever met are, are the most hospitable. You know, whatever the characteristic is, it's that refining process, right? Grace mm-hmm. helps to perfect that nature that they already hold. And, and so I would just encourage anybody listening to this, because this will probably uh, be pushed out and aired, you know, as we approach those, those beginning weeks, um, don't talk yourself out of coming here just because you have a false notion of uh, what it might be or might not be. Um, and don't let the world allure you to those things that are maybe on the surface more shiny and exciting, like the frat parties and, and all of that. Uh, but, but know that like, there's just an emptiness behind all that. And a lot of us have testimonies of that, that no, we went that direction. Yeah. It, it's really empty and deadening, whereas this is very life-giving. Um, so I think just to encourage them, that whoever might be listening, uh, come to those Newman Center events that get advertised, and we'll have them everywhere on campus. Um, show up, and you'll meet literally the best people on this planet. It's it's amazing. Oh yeah, and it's it's crazy how many people actually do show up to those those first couple week yeah. events. Like it's not just Catholics who show up. Right. It's all sorts of people from all different backgrounds, and and whether they're Catholic or even Christian. Um, you see them there and you see them having a good time and enjoying themselves around these, yeah. these great people that are, that just show up to these events. And it's really fruitful to have all these great people show up. And sometimes it's just surprising to see, see that yeah, it, encounter. And best friends are made, right? Oh, yeah. I, you, it, I was uh, talking to a friend over this weekend and um, she was just recounting the story, how she uh, became really good friends with uh, one of our alumni who, um, the, the news just dropped maybe a week or two, uh, is uh, she had passed away a few years ago. Her name's Michelle Dupong, and she uh, is, her cause for canonization is being opened. Um, but anyway, I was, I was talking to our friend and longtime, her, Michelle's longtime roommate, and uh, just how they got to meet. And it was like this unlikely chain of events and sequence, and they were best friends their four years in college. Uh, and it's like that. You're going to encounter people that initially are strangers, but you actually find your best friend your whole life. Or your spouse. I mean, we have plenty of examples of that. So if you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of in the market. I'm on the lookout. There's no better place. This is the best place. Come find your future spouse. Oh, yeah, because everybody's looking for a vocation here. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> yep. And, and they're intentional about it. So, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, something uh, in this conversation that kind of occurred to me, and, and I remembered, uh, you know, Thomas Aquinas, he uh, has a line in his Summa where he says, friendship is essential to the Christian life. Um, so to maybe, I mean, we kind of danced around this topic a little bit, but friendship is key, right? It's not just sort of some optional aside. Um, if we don't have good, sturdy friends, we won't make it in, in the Christian life. And that's why I think something like the Newman Center community is so essentially important to it. Um, it's not, we can't do it alone. We need the encouragement of other people. We need the correction of other people. And we need the life that grows in those relationships developed from those other people. So just to kind of like state clearly what Iron Sharpens Iron is, it's sort of that friendship that, that helps us fulfill the Christian life. Um, and, and that's something that's found every day around here at this Newman Center. And it's just such a, such a privilege to be able to be a part of that. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, speaking of what you said about friends, you know, you, 
you hear that popular saying that goes around, show me your friends and I'll show you who you are. Yeah. Or show me your top 10. Yeah. I think Jim Rohn said it. Like you're the average of the five people you're closest to or something like that. Yeah, exactly. So when you come to college or go anywhere in life, that's new, you're going to be faced with the challenge of finding new friends, finding new people that you hang out with. So it's really important to actually consider who are the people that are around you. Are they the ones shaping you into being a better person really or are they shaping you into being a worse person you have to really kind of reflect on that and see are your friends really being friends to you are they right. do they have your best interest in mind and like we were talking about earlier just being charitable enough to to guide you on the road to heaven yeah really and that's really the best friend you can have is someone who's willing to to say the hard things to you and tell you man you're not living a life of of you know a godly life here. You, you got to right. change some things. So it's really surround yourself with those friends who's going to have those tough conversations with you, even if you don't want to hear it. Yeah. And that's ultimately, uh, it's about heaven, but it's also about the happy life here. We, the virtuous life is the happy life and the world. It's just, it's like a downward spiral. It's, it's a train wreck now more than ever. I mean, there's so much bitterness and division just anger and animosity towards one another. Nobody's happy. Yeah. I mean, it, it's so plain as day. And they all rage against this thing or that thing. And they they ostensibly are trying to pursue justice of some form or another. But it's like a really warped and twisted concept of justice. And it's isolated from all the other virtues, which there, when you let the virtues run wild, they run, I mean, it's almost as bad as if you let the vices run wild in your life. Um, the virtues need each other. They need to be connected to one another. So, you know, they're not happy. Mm-hmm. And if, if we're really honest, why would we ever want to live what the world preaches? If it produces unhappiness, bitterness, division, discord, it's, it's we're all around it where when I'm around a, a really life-giving community there's like a central unity to it there's one mind one heart on all things and and that's what we find here at the Newman Center it's one mind one heart uh, we believe in our Lord uh, we profess the creed of the church we believe in one another and want to see the best of one another come out in in daily life um, so iron sharpens iron we help each other do that it's not always easy. It's not always pleasant, yeah. but it's always worth it, and it always results in happiness. Exactly. Well said. Well said. Um, but, yeah, uh, let's talk about how vital, I guess, this is for our young adults in, in this generation. We, Yeah. I mean, they're at the formative area of their life, right? When – when the college age, that at 18 to 22 or so, when they leave here, and I've seen it working in the corporate world and things like that, you settle into a, a habit and a routine in your daily life, right? You go to work 40 plus hours a week, you go home, you do a few things in your remaining hours, and then you might have some hobbies that you do on the weekend. And then you, you rinse and repeat, you reset, and you do it all over again. And all of a sudden you go from 22 years old to 30 years old in in a quick blink of an eye and you wonder what happened and and then that that sort of speeds up as you go past there you know 30 to 40 seems a little bit shorter right Mm -hmm. uh you know there's a maybe a bit crass but uh 
a little analogy that it was told to me that, you know, life is a lot like toilet paper. The more you use, the faster it comes off the roll. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's like that. And so people find themselves stuck in these traps because they weren't intentional about their time and about their key commitments and key relationships. Um, so I think in this period of their life, it's, it's really, really vital that that transformation happen uh, because once they settle in, they're going to be a lot less open to it. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, no, I like the, the word intentional that you use because we've been talking about it a lot. It's just intentionally yeah. finding um, a place that you're going to fit and that it's going to be, um, I guess not really that you're going to fit, but that you're going to be um, set yourself up for success. Right. And that's by surrounding yourself with good people. I mean, especially um, when we see people who, you know, you kind of have your per a person in your life probably who you kind of judge some of your virtues off of. Right. And that person doesn't generally have the best virtues in mind. I mean, they could, right. but sometimes they don't. I mean, if you don't know a lot about just what's good and what's bad and you look at this person, you're like, all right, they're going to go out and protest this uh um, Roe v. Wade, for instance, if they're going to go protest that they should have an abortion or something, and, and you're like, oh, well, I don't really know much about this topic, but, you know, they seem passionate about it, so right. let's join them in doing this. Um, I think it's vital to kind of surround yourself with truth, yeah. and that's, that's a big thing that we don't really... It's kind of a scary word that we look at nowadays. Um. Well, well you, you hear, you hear the, the rebuttal, well, well, that's your truth, or, you know, that's my truth, right? The truth isn't even a, a category that the world believes is objective or knowable. It's yeah. self-defined. It's relative, right? That moral relativism. Yeah, people don't want, don't like the idea that there is one truth. Right. That, you know, there is one God that, you know, he came and he, 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 he saved you. Yeah. And he is your savior. And it's like, people, yeah. people don't see that and people don't want to see that. Right. Um, because it, it, it forces people to look interior to themselves and actually come to terms with the fact that I've done things that are wrong. Um, I believe things that are wrong. I'm not on the right path, right? It, it's a humbling moment in our life to admit all those things. Like our pride is so strong, you know, our vanity is so strong that we don't want to be seen as somehow in need of another person. It goes back to another one of those things that we mentioned the world promotes, which is this self-sufficiency, this radical autonomy, where I don't need anybody else ever. I, I'm fully 100% self-sufficient. Um, and that, it, it just, it goes back to that happiness thing. They're not happy, right, in that. And it's, it's born in the fruit of their life. Um, I mean, those people sometimes are the most bitter I've ever met, the most unhappy, the most uh, honestly dysfunctional. And it's not like some some like judgment or condemnation against them. It's just a tree is known by its fruit, right? It's the fruit of their life is is not a good fruit, you know. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not it's not like in a condemning way. Like I said, it's we want better for you. Come, let me show you a way. And uh, you know, there's. Something else that spurred to my mind, came to my mind when you were talking about that, is just not only is it sort of a good friendship and a good community allow us to sort of get off the wrong path and onto the right path, uh, and not only does it help refine ourselves, but it actually helps us dream bigger, too, that we actually have more magnanimous dreams, greater ambitions, when we're around other people who 
think and believe with more of an eternal mindset to it, where you have the limitless of heaven at your availability. You know, we pray in the Our Father, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, declaring to the Lord that we want him to actually manifest his kingdom right here, right now, on earth as it is in heaven. We're not waiting for some eschatological fulfillment way at the end of the age. No, we want to actually see it presently in our own life. And so I think we actually, as Christians, uh, are able to, when we're, we're living the Christian life together in community well, we're actually able to have bigger and bolder dreams because there's sort of a, a catalyst effect that happens when you put one person who's really on fire with the Lord with another person who's really on fire with the Lord. And they're greater than the sum of their parts. There's something that comes out of that that is, is just more magnificent, uh, a larger vision. Uh, maybe it's a service uh, you know, endeavor where they want to serve a particular need in their communities, like the poor or the sick or whatnot. Um, it could be a work of art. You know, you get enough people together, the creative energies start flowing in a way that isolated on themselves doesn't happen. Whatever it is, I mean, it could be an economic or, or like business venture where all of a sudden they put together a business plan that that is off and running and they actually raise money so that they can make greater contributions towards the common good from what they've generated. So so I, I've seen it before where where it's actually you come together and you start living a bolder, bigger life. The dreams that you start generating are bigger, larger dreams. And I think that's that's a great thing that maybe is overlooked that it's for this life also. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, I guess on that, on that note, I would like to say, uh, if you don't think that there, there is one truth, I mean, do some research for yourself and look, look at all the philosophy behind it and all the, on the science behind this, this one truth of, of God, of religion. Yeah. And, and if you are truly seeking the truth, you're going to find yourself smack dab in the middle of the Catholic church. Yeah. Um, that's one of my favorite things that, uh, St. Mother Teresa said, um, I don't know the exact quote, so I'm going to paraphrase a little bit and maybe butcher it a little bit, but she, she was talking, um, it was in a book, um, St. Mother Teresa was the title, and then I can't remember who wrote it, but she said that, or someone asked her, um, what do you think of other religions? Um, you know, you, you help work with, with all these different religions, and she said that, you know, if you're truly, the heart of most religions is to kind of find the truth. You know, you, you yeah. see in religions that they're looking for the truth. And if someone is truly open to finding the truth, they're going to find their way back to the Catholic Church. Yeah. Because the Catholic Church is where all truth is. Yeah. So that's one beautiful thing that I remember St. Mother Teresa said, or something along those lines. Yeah. And, and, and I think that's exactly it. And that's because the incarnate word, who is truth, became man. And then when he ascended to heaven and trusted that revelation to the church. So it's, it's like safely deposited within uh, within the church and her teaching authority. So Holy Spirit guarantees that it will be protected. And it's not always apparent in the world the way people live, but, um, but it's there. And there's an answer, uh, there is an answer to any question that you have concerning faith or morals. The, the Catholic Church has it. And it's in depth, it's thought about, uh, extensive writings on it for 2000 years. Um, and if it's like a really novel application, because this is where, you know, I mentioned I went back to school and was hoping to be an ethicist. We see it actually in medicine a little bit where the application of these truths can be a lot harder to navigate 
um, when you get into some really complex, you know, medical situations and things like that, which is why sort of the science or the discipline of, of ethics is developed. And okay, how do we apply all these principles, which we know to be true in this really complicated circumstance? So, mm-hmm. so you know, I'll 100% admit there's some really tricky, tricky uh, situations out there, but that doesn't negate the fact that there's one truth and that it's deposited here. Sometimes we may have to sift through it and sort through it to find the satisfactory application to a circumstance, but it's all here. Yes, yes, of course. Um, all right, so I guess as we're coming up to the end here, I kind yeah. of want to just give a th- few things you can take away from this this introduction podcast and some of the things we talked about was first, you know, find yourself some good friends. Be that good friend who is, right. is searching for the truth and who is continually keeping his heart open for the truth. And then be that good friend that people can lean on, but also search for good friends to be part of a group that that's ultimately guiding you to heaven right? and, and guiding you on that road to, to Jesus. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Good summary. So yeah, I think uh, just excited that we're finally at this moment. It's a, uh, it's a lot of fun to, uh, to be able to get in the studio, flip the, the on button on the record and, um, I don't know if we're going to have, do we have video for this one or is, uh, um, we got the cameras running. We got the cameras running. We'll see how it turns out. The lights yeah. turned off. About we're, uh, uh, this, our, our big caveat to all of this as we kind of close is that we're still literally constructing this room and setting up the equipment and, and tweaking and optimizing how it works. So, um, yeah, you, you'll see, especially if there's video that, that we'll have decorations up soon in the studio. It's pretty blank walled right now, but we got some, some really cool shelves, um, have a really great idea for a, a backdrop logo, and, and we'll get some uh, some specific Bison Catholic swag and gear that are pretty unique to our, our local Newman Center. So have a lot of big plans for that, but it's going to be fun to build it. I, exactly. I think that's half the process is it's not perfect uh, at the start of it, but we'll make those like improvements and we'll get creative inspirations, and, and we're just going to have a blast with this. This is going to be fun. Oh, yeah. I'm super excited, especially... We have these automatic lights in here, so the <laughs> lights turn off halfway through. So we've been talking in the dark, but yeah, we're hoping to get those fixed. So, <laughs> so then we can actually have some camera footage. But yep. yeah, as we as we move forward too, we're gonna have some great speakers. Um, hopefully, some of our keynotes can be on here. We have Absolutely. the Sisters of Life coming monthly. Hopefully, we can get them on. We have Monsignor and Father Cheney, like I said earlier, who yep. who are just so wise and and what they have to say and have seen so much, especially in the campus ministry side of things to, right. to share their, their testimonies. And then obviously the students, we have so many students, like you were saying, yeah. that, that just have such great stories that we can bring on and, and kind of talk to them about their, their, their experiences and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Their life experiences through this. So we're super excited to keep this moving forward and to keep on keeping on with this. So. Yeah. So I, I hear this on all these other podcasts, so be sure to like us and share. And right. subscribe. And subscribe. There yes. you go. Like, share, subscribe. Boom. There we go. See, we can do a podcast thing. It's fine. Perfect. So. <laughs> all right. So we'll see you next time, guys. All right. God bless you all.